From the editors of Cannabis Business Times and the team at Quest, this is How to Win a Cannabis Cultivation License, a new limited series that focuses on this integral process, the starting line for all of us in the industry. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of Cannabis Business Times. We are pleased to bring you an in-depth look at the licensing process in the cannabis industry, over 10 episodes, as things stand in 2021. This is episode two. Last week, we introduced Peter Marcus at Terrapin and Mitch Myers at Sense, who provided a sense of how to think about earning licenses in places like Pennsylvania and Missouri. This week, we will begin to expand our scope to include the switch from a medical to an adult use market. That brings us to Michigan, where Terrapin holds a wholesale cultivation license and a lab license, and where hundreds of other businesses are currently at work on the adult use side. It's an interesting state to look at, if only because its own medical cannabis program emerged out of a gray market scenario that connected licensed caregivers with patients, similar in some ways to California's earlier era. In 2015, the state developed a regulatory oversight plan, and in 2018, Michigan voters gave the green light to an adult use market. The first sales of legal adult use cannabis in Michigan began at the tail end of 2019. Then. Just a few months later, as we're all terribly aware, life changed dramatically. The COVID-19 pandemic upended our relationships to one another. And in some ways that included the relationships among cannabis businesses and regulators. It certainly upended the economy. And no podcast building out an overview of the cannabis licensing process as of 2021 would be complete without acknowledging this aspect of the industry now. Michael Ward, the CEO of licensed cultivation business Harbor Farms, which is based in Kalamazoo, knows this well. October 2019 is when we started the build and uh, completed the build in July of 2020 through two COVID shutdowns of the state. And uh, that, was, that was a big part of the problem in relation to uh, getting the build done, COVID for sure. Harbor Farms' first harvest happened in late November 2020, so we know that the team surmounted this challenge, and it was not without its lessons. Michael tells me that COVID remains one of the chief challenges facing anyone running a cannabis business right now. How long that feeling will linger is unclear, but it's an important part of this story. The Harbor Farms facility covers 36,000 square feet and 11 flower rooms tucked back in a one-time Brownfield corporate park off I-94 in Southern Michigan. It was really well received. I have to say that the people in Kalamazoo uh, did it right. Um, they passed their adult use ordinance during COVID, which I thought was incredible, on, fully on a Zoom, Zoom meetings. And uh, the fact that they could get that done, I thought was great. For Michael and the Harbor Farms team though, the process began well before the pandemic. Once the emergency rules were created in November 2016, uh, that's when the effort really started where it was now this is real. There's an avenue for licensure. At that time, it was just, it, it still is the wild, wild west, but it's, uh, you know, there was no application at the time. They, they created the emergency rules and it took them a year it, I believe the first date to be able to submit was December 15, 2017. So it took 11 months 
for the state to get the application process ready for submittal. Harbor Farms turned in its application two days later, one of the first 15 businesses to do so in Michigan. It wasn't until the following August, in 2017, however, that the team got in front of the advisory board to learn its fate. So it was a long, arduous process, but it wasn't just licensing. It was also finding the municipalities that were also working in conjunction with the state for creating ordinances, creating zoning, uh, approving it in their uh, municipality, opting in or opting out. Uh, that was a big part of it in the beginning because there were so few municipalities that were actually moving to opt in. So it was canvassing the state and talking to municipalities and understanding the temperature of what they had on the docket and how they were going to orchestrate it. And that was, we were all over the map. I mean, I didn't want to go towards Detroit. I wanted to stay on the Western side of the state. And so I canvassed the state from New Buffalo to Muskegon and back and uh, found our home essentially over a long period of time in Kalamazoo. Location, location, location. Like Mitch Myers was saying in the last episode about Sense's search for property in the greater St. Louis region, this real estate equation is a critical part of the licensing process. It's a bit of a chicken or egg situation, or maybe one involving 10 chickens and 10 eggs. You need to lock down property for a business that's not yet authorized to operate, and you need to fine tune your application to ensure that your real estate bet will come to fruition. This is one of the more complicated dances in the entire process, one that will come up again and again throughout our series. Even in our original 2016 article, the one that got us thinking that it was high time to revisit this topic in a new format, one of our tips was, be sure you have the right real estate with a license that allows for expansion. Adam Cohen, now the CEO at Hardeen Premium Cannabis Dispensary in Las Vegas, said, and I quote, I think the best play is having a lease with an option to purchase. That way you can minimize your upfront cash needs. But sometimes to raise cash, you need to secure financing with the real estate. There are many different ways to structure investments into marijuana companies, unquote. We've written about a few of these structural methods in cannabis business times over the years, but it's an important component to think about in those early days of trying to earn a license in this industry. It's all part of the same conversation. What is your company going to look like and where are you going to put it? This weighs heavily in the scrutiny of cannabis business license applications. I had gone under contract on probably 10 different properties in 10 different municipalities and all of them were a disaster in the beginning. I mean, because now I'm going under contract on a property contingent on licensure and the municipality getting done what they need to get done. And it was like Swiss cheese. You know, every time you think you're on firm ground, you find a hole and you'd fall right through it. And uh, I went under contract and then I canceled the contracts because there were just so many there was one property I found in Baldwin, Michigan that was a great piece of property. You know, worked for everything we had except for two things. One, we were two miles away from consistent power, which would have cost me a million dollars to have that move to my location. And we were on well, 
we would have been on well water, which would have been problematic in our fertigation system. So it was just a, it was a, you know, close your eyes, throw a dart at the dartboard and hope you hit a spot that A is opted in, B has an ordinance, C has zoning. And it, it was not an easy process. It is not for the lighthearted, I can tell you that. If you're interested in learning more about the licensing process and you're listening to this series as it's released, join us at Cannabis Conference 2021 in Las Vegas. The show runs from August 24th to the 26th, and an all-access pass gets you into our Create a Winning License Application session. Make your application stand out from the crowd with takeaways from this can't-miss all-access session for any new or expanding business. Visit CannabisConference.com for more information. Quest is the indispensable environmental control partner of top cannabis producers worldwide, providing unparalleled expertise, information, and equipment cultivators need to master complex grow room climates. Quest's standalone units provide cultivators with the widest array of sizes and options, giving them the flexibility needed to customize and perfect humidity control in any grow room. To learn more, head to questclimate.com. Right now in the U.S., there are more than 18,000 active cannabis cultivation licenses. Many companies hold multiple licenses across multiple states, so it's an incomplete picture of the market itself, but the point remains. Even with only 15 states allowing legal, licensed adult-use cannabis production and sales, and 35 states allowing legal, licensed medical cannabis production and sales, the scale of the U.S. cannabis industry is fairly vast, and it's growing. Michigan is a good example, and one that we'll be revisiting throughout this series. Its gray market medical cannabis legacy is still felt throughout the newly legal adult use landscape. As of late 2020, the state had clocked 529 cultivation licenses. The total population of Michigan is about 10 million. In small pockets of Michigan, adult use retail sales began in December 2019, and momentum has picked up ever since. Like many other states, Michigan's adult use legalization policy allows local municipalities to opt in of their own accord to the program. The vast majority of communities in Michigan have not elected to do so. Detroit, for instance, only recently passed an ordinance that will allow adult use cannabis businesses to operate in the city. This makes the hunt for real estate and interested local stakeholders even more difficult. By the time Michael Ward and the early Harbor Farms team closed in on Kalamazoo, He'd identified a site within a corporate park on the outskirts of town, the site of a former methane facility, one that the city had been eager to move for some time. He was joined by his liaison to an architectural and engineering firm at a meeting with the city manager, the city planner, and the economic development committee. Harbor Farms was looking for approval for its licenses, for its business plan, really. And the city of Kalamazoo was looking for a trusted partner. They didn't yet know that Harbor Farms was a cannabis business. We were interested in a brownfield development that has been uh, sitting idle since 2008. And that spurred their interest right away. And by, I had a 32 slide PowerPoint presentation and by slide six, they had pretty much figured out what our plan was. The, the PowerPoint presentation stopped 
the conversation started. And at that time, the city manager was willing to sell me the entire business park at that moment in time. Because this is a brownfield development, there was a refinery on the site. So uh, when they cleared out the refinery and uh, created the industrial park and brought in all of the um, water and electric and sewer, they, uh, we did our environmental and realized that we had a bunch of methane that's uh, in the ground underneath the building where the building site was gonna be. In fact, the entire industrial park has methane uh, vents all over the industrial park. So that switched our gears to the fact that we're, we're going to have to put in a methane barrier between our foundation and the actual building. So um, that was actually underneath our foundation and vented out the sides of the foundation. That was just a, another little bump in the road in relation to, you know, site preparation and everything that goes along with that and added costs, you know, just the vapor barrier alone was an additional $100,000 that we weren't exactly looking at the budget at the time uh, and saying, oh, we need another $100,000 hit. The back and forth between the business and the city proved fruitful. After appropriate site remediation, Michael and the team began their build-out in October 2019, just a few months before adult use sales would begin throughout the state. And that kept Harbor Farms' proverbial foot on the pedal. The business had already secured its medical cannabis licenses, and the build-out was underway, set to be completed in July 2020, right when Michael was hoping to gain entrance into this new adult use market, which required a bit of navigation in the midst of the pandemic. The city of Kalamazoo, with council members now meeting via Zoom, took action on its adult use ordinance in early summer. They approved adult use in June. Um, they got their, they had their final meeting. They have to have two or three meetings to get, uh, to have public outcry available to the people. And uh, they eventually passed it in June. Knowing that I didn't, wasn't gonna get occupancy until early July, I then needed to go back to my attorneys and flip everything around to, because I had all of my license applications was only for medical use only. And I couldn't switch that gear until the city did what they did, which uh, was fantastic, as I said. So at that moment in time, I pulled out uh, four of my medical licenses and rolled them into adult use, uh, and which really changed the structure of the game for us because adult use is such a much larger market share than medical in Michigan. Cannabis is a work in progress. The industry, the science, the market, it's all a moving target in these early years of legalization in the U.S. The license application, what we're focusing on in this series, is just one foothold along the way. It's a picture of how a company understood itself at a distinct moment in time, precisely when industry regulators were being introduced to that company. The start of what is hopefully a long and cooperative and prosperous relationship. But it does pay to have a sense of where you're going. The narrative of your business model is a key component of the licensing process. And to be sure, a key component of your own conception of your company and your brand. It's a core teaching moment for the industry regulators who are flipping through your application, a way to stand out from the crowd and distinguish yourself. 
but the narrative is just one way to explain yourself. Regulators are looking for a lot more, too. And all of this, the story, the background, the numbers, all of this plays into the long-term viability of a business. Well, they ask for, you know, your business plan and your projections and what you plan on doing and how, you know, they scrutinize your entire facility. Uh, they want to know exactly how many employees you plan on employing. And, uh, you know, it's, it's real easy to conceptualize all this, but until you get in the throes of the trenches of the war that you're building with the state, um, which essentially is, you know, if they don't like it, no dice. And if the industry itself can be a moving target at times, so can the objective licensing process. For Michael and the Harbor Farms team, it took a few tries. We went in for our first application and I had two caregivers on the, uh, as owners and I had given them some ownership in the company, which meant they had to give all of their information as well. During the process, the MRA updated a one attestation that I queried my attorney on that. I said, are we good with this attestation? He said, yeah, we're fine with the attestation, which was criminal history and criminal background. Uh, and back in prior to, you know, it, it was really only related to any cannabis or drug related charges. Well, they changed the um, form and when they got, my lawyers did not resubmit. So when they did a background check on the two caregivers that were on the original submittal, the board denied us because of the fact that uh, they hadn't provided, you know, one had a, um, you know, a juvenile record for having a joint at school when he was 15 years old. Um, the other one got in a fight and uh, was, charged with a misdemeanor that was not on that was not on the original sheet but when they found that out they said uh they denied us so back to the drawing board so what i had to do is i removed everybody but myself from the license so i made it extremely streamlined because all of my paperwork was done and everything i needed was done and resubmitted which meant going to the board again and one of the board members was absent that day and you have to have majority vote. So it went from five to four and one of the members, which was a retired uh, law enforcement member, decided that he did not like this application because I said that uh, in the briefing of why I took the people off the ownership, uh, he said, well, the, he claims in this letter that he's still going to employ these two people. And I have a problem with that. And he voted against us. But luckily at the time, they, the other three approved the pre-qualification process. So we were approved at that time. Pay it forward a year. So now we're, we're ready to go. We're, we've broken ground. Um, my lawyers are communicating with the state, letting them know that we've had construction delays and things like that. Come to find out that they changed their mind 
out of the blue of that they're only going to give pre-qualification status for a year. Well, as soon as the year wrapped up, they dropped my pre-qualification process. So now my pre-qual is gone. I'm not approved anymore. I'm building a building. I've got investors at this point and I have to start completely over. And that was probably one of the worst days I've ever had in this process was hearing from my attorney that I am have they have pulled my prequal approval and we need to start over. But because I had all the information available and everything, uh, the only thing we had to do, my wife and I had to go through background checks again, fingerprinting again, and which, you know, it's just the whole not knowing and trying to go back and letting everyone know, oh, by the way, uh, we're no longer approved. And uh, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, we have to wait and see what the state says, but you know, it was ever fearful of the fact that they would have just said no at this point, but the problem, I mean, the probability of that happening was very low, but the stress factor was extremely high. When I first met Michael in August, 2020 at the Harbor Farms facility in Kalamazoo, all of that was behind him. But everything else in this business was still ahead of him. The harvests, the processing techniques, the wholesale trends, the entire and all-encompassing future of the legal cannabis market. We are going to continue releasing episodes over the next eight weeks, every Friday, introducing you to characters around the business who found their way through the tangled licensing process and who have plenty of advice for anyone interested in following along. We'll pick up Michael's thread in future episodes as well. In the meantime, though, we're all ears at Cannabis Business Times. Is there something you want to hear in this podcast or in future series? Is there a story that you think sheds some serious light on the licensing landscape in the U.S.? Send me an email anytime. I'm at esandy at gie.net. GIE is our publishing company. Or you can reach out on Twitter at CBTMag. We are here to serve the market. My name is Eric Sandy, and I'm the digital editor of Cannabis Business Times. Alexander Garrett is our sound editor, and this series is brought to you by Quest. <laughs>